Hello and welcome to this edition of Deeper. And in this edition, we are looking at Judges chapter 6, uh, beginning at verse 11 through to verse 24. And we're part of a, uh, a sermon series, The Moments in Church, looking at uh, what it means to be faithful and fruitful in different situations and circumstances. And in this passage, we're thinking about what does it mean to be faithful and fruitful when we're afraid. And on Sunday, I talked about how you know, we all struggle with fear in different ways. But fear should never be a dominant emotion within us. It should never be a controlling factor in what we do. And we, we saw how with Gideon here, which this whole story is about Gideon, uh, and what a great story it is, uh, how God says to Gideon certain things that help him overcome fear. He, he says to him, you know, look, you are a mighty warrior. He sees something in Gideon that Gideon didn't even see in himself. He says, I am with you and God's presence with us should always remove fear. And uh, he says a very strange thing. He says, go in the strength you have. In other words, Gideon, you already have enough within you to overcome your fear of the Midianites. And so we looked at those two things. And uh, in this uh, edition of Deeper, uh, we're just going to look at the passage a little bit further, uh, see what else it might say to us and uh, help us to think through how do we become faithful and fruitful when we're afraid. So let's dig deeper into it now. So I'd love you to read Judges chapter 6 verses 11 to 24. So press pause now and read that passage. Great. So what else do we see in this passage? Let me remind you the context uh, the Midianites have been raiding Israel for seven years. We read that in verse 1 of chapter 6. Um, and it says in the next few chapter, a few verses that uh, the Israelites had moved from the towns and villages and moved into the mountains where they could live in caves and clefts. And uh, they did that because they were afraid. The Midianites were stealing their food. They were uh, leaving them without anything to look after themselves with. They couldn't care for their families. And so they, they moved out of their homes. They were too afraid to live there because of the Midianites. And I would encourage you to, to read those first uh, 10 verses of chapter 6 and then to read the rest of the Gideon story in the next two chapters. So do please read that because it gives you a bigger picture of what God does with Gideon. And uh, it's, it's a fascinating story that helps us Think about ourselves a little bit as well. And uh, what we see here, uh, right near the beginning of our passage that was uh, that you've read, an angel of the Lord appears to Gideon. And as I said on Sunday, when it says an angel of the Lord, uh, it is really referring to God uh, perhaps taking on some kind of human form. Uh, because in the passage, we see how it, it mixes up the angel of the Lord said or the Lord said almost as if they were the same person. So I am taking this as, this is just another way of describing the presence, the physical presence of God. And it's not entirely clear uh, that Gideon knew who he was talking to at the beginning. He, he comes to that conclusion that it's the Lord later on, as we will see. But at the beginning, he seems to be unsure. He doesn't know quite who he's talking to. 
And so this angel of the Lord appears to Gideon. Gideon is uh, threshing wheat, but he's doing it in a way that allows him to hide from the Midianites. He's in the wine press, a huge uh, hole in the rock that allows him to be out of sight and to thresh the wheat. And he's, this angel appears to him and says, uh, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Mighty warrior, this young lad who's hiding. So we talked a little bit about that on Sunday and I encourage you to, to watch the talk if you haven't already. And I talked a little bit about that. So I want to move on to verse 13 in our reading today. And uh, it'd be good if you had your Bibles that you looked at it for a moment. Because when uh, the angel of the Lord says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, uh, Gideon automatically says, well, actually, no, he's not. That, that's his immediate response. Uh, in the NIV, it says this, Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. So it's clear here that uh, that Gideon is, is struggling with the, the situation that he's in. Why has the Lord allowed this? Why is it that we are being raided by the Midianites so regularly? Why is he not protecting us? And of course, when we're afraid, it raises those kind of questions, doesn't it? You know, why am I struggling with this? Why, why am I in a situation where fear is starting to control me? Why am, am I in this situation? Why has the Lord allowed it? And I'm pretty sure that Gideon wasn't alone in that. Because what we read about throughout the rest of the story is that Gideon's family, and we guess that other families around about, had stopped worshipping God. They'd started to worship an idol, Baal. And uh, Baal was really the kind of god of fertility. And so what we see here is the people in that region focusing on the immediate. They need to try and get um, uh, crops grown. They need to have food. And so they start to worship a god of fertility. That's not just about human fertility. That's about livestock and it's about uh, corn and wheat and those kind of things. So they, they focus on the immediate. They lose sight of the bigger picture of who Yahweh, their Lord, their Lord and God is. Because he's a God who has called them to, to live in the land and to, to bless others and to be uh, a light to the nations. And of course, they're not doing that. They're being raided by the Midianites. And so they almost give up on God. They've started to look to other gods to provide what they need. And of course, that's what fear does for us, really, isn't it? You know, we start to look at, well, if, if I am in a situation where I'm afraid, uh, I'm going to try and find another way in which I can get out of this situation so I am no longer afraid. And that's what seems to have happened here for Gideon and his family. And also in that verse, there's a reference, isn't it, to Exodus where God leads his people out of Egypt, out of oppression. And yet here they are under oppression again. 
So Gideon says, "Why? where is the God who did incredible wonders to, to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Why isn't he doing that again? And of course, God does it again, and he does it through Gideon. And so it's almost like Gideon is answering his own question here. He's raising this, and God's thinking, right, you're the guy. You're the guy I'm going to use. You're my Moses in this situation of oppression. Just look for a moment at verse 15. And uh, 15 is one of the verses that um, lots of people know well. Uh, again, Gideon is very polite in this, says, Pardon me, my Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. And we talked a little bit about that on Sunday, but it's worth just reminding ourselves again. God chooses the most unusual people to do his will. And it's not about the qualification, their ability to lead. It's simply about their willing, willingness to be obedient to him, which, of course, Gideon is in this story, as you'll read later on if you choose to read the next chapters. We always focus on all sorts of things, don't we? But God always focuses on willingness. Because he can do anything with someone who's willing, willing to put their faith in him. It's really interesting, I think, as well, verse 14 and 16, uh, where God puts the onus on Gideon to do the task. He doesn't say, even say, I will do this through you. He simply says, you go and do this. And that's, again, another reminder for us, I think, that when God calls us to do something, he does expect us to do it. Now, he expects us to do it in his power, in his strength, in his way. But there's no shortcut here to us doing the hard work of the, the work of God. There's no shortcut. We can't get other people to do what God has called us to do. We can't even get God to do what he has called us to do. He has called us to do something we should do do it and so God says here to Gideon go in the strength you ha you have and save Israel in verse 40 then 16 I'll be with you and you will strike down the Midianites leaving none alive the emphasis is on Gideon doing something and uh, we don't always like that do we that kind of responsibility but if God calls us he expects us to obey and expects us to act. Then there's, uh, just to pick up on uh, verses 17 onwards, uh, where Gideon goes away to prepare some food. And that would have been a, an act of hospitality. He seems to be uncertain still who this angel, this person is. Um, and so he goes and, and he prepares uh, quite a lot of food. He prepares a goat. And he prefers an ephah, a flour, which would be enough to make a very large loaf. So this is plenty of food. Um, and he does it, he puts it in a basket and he puts the broth in a pot and he brings out the meat and he, he sets it all out nicely. And he, he's expecting his guest to eat. But what does his guest do? He turns this offering of a meal into a sacrifice. And so uh, the angel of the Lord gets Gideon to place the meat 
uh, and the bread on a rock and he touches them with the staff and there's fire and it all burns up. It's a sacrifice. It becomes a sacrificial offering rather than a simple gift of food. It's at that point that Gideon realises who this person is. And at this point he's afraid again because it says uh, when Gideon realized in verse 22, realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Don't be afraid, you're not going to die. Because, of course, uh, within Jewish tradition, if you saw God face to face, you would die. And yet, he is spurred. And the angel and the angel of the Lord says to him, Peace, don't be afraid. That must have been an incredible realization for him. That here he was, face to face with the living God, who was calling him out of the wine press, out of hiding, to lead his people into battle against a stronger, more powerful enemy. So Gideon builds an altar in verse 24 and he calls that altar the Lord is peace. Maybe because here he moves out of fear into a place of peace and trust and faith. So what does all this mean for us? Uh, Let's go a little bit wider on this and think about the implications for each of us. So I think there's a number of implications here, a number of applications for us as we think about this passage. Uh, Firstly, there's the simple thing of who God chooses to use. God chooses to use all sorts of people in his kingdom. And time and time again in scripture, we see how he uses the least likely or the unusual. uh, And that means that we can all be qualified to serve God And you know, when we think about serving God in different ways, it is amazing to me how many people think about how qualified they are, whether they've been trained or not. Uh, They think in terms, effectively in, in human, worldly terms. The key thing is, are you called? That is the key thing. Because if you are called, God will equip you. That's why you could say to Gideon, go in the strength you have. He had already equipped him to do the work that he had set out for him. And I'm pretty sure there are people watching this who have sensed the call of God to do something, but have chose not to because they felt unqualified. If God calls you, you are qualified and you will be equipped to do all that he asks you to do. So let's remember that. You know, it's said time and time again about different characters in the Bible that they were unlikely, unworthy, unsuitable. The 12 disciples were the most unsuitable that you'd ever pick to be your key followers. Yet God uses them and he can use you too. In whatever it is he is calling you to do, trust that you are the right person at the right time. And all you need to do is be obedient. I think the second thing is this. A number of times in our passage, God says, I'll be with you. He says it a number of times to different people in scripture. I'll be with you. 
And that should be enough for all of us. When God says he is with us, that is enough. Whatever it is he has called you to do, if he says, I'm going to be with you, that's all you need. And you know what uh, it says in, in the New Testament? You know, Jesus said, I will be with you even until the end of the age. His presence with us, his presence within us is all that we need to make a difference in this world. If you are working with him, allowing his power to flow out of you in different ways, allowing him to shape your character, allowing his presence to be the difference between you and others, that is it. That's all you need. And a number of times here, he says to Gideon, in the huge task that he has ahead of him, he says, I will be with you. He doesn't say, I will train you. He doesn't say, I will give you gifts. He doesn't say, doesn't say, I'll get the right people around you. He just says, I'll be with you. Because that is all that we need. The third thing is about obedience, isn't it? You know, when God gives us a task, when God places a call upon our lives, the only requirement is that we obey. Not even that we are successful, just that we obey. And I would encourage you to learn obedience to God. And the things that you read in scripture and the things that you sense God saying to you, learn how to be obedient. Learn how to respond positively to whatever God is saying. You know, one of the things that um, is quite clear in scripture is that God is not worried by the things that worry you. He's not afraid of the things that you're afraid of. That's why he calls the unlikely people, the unsuitable people. Because he's not concerned about the things that concern them. If you're concerned about what people will think about you, if you're concerned about your lack of training, your lack of gifting, he's not concerned. He just expects you to obey. Because he knows he will give you all that you need in order to do what is required. Let me give you some things to, to think about over these uh, next few days, whether that's alone uh, and re to reflect on, or if you're part of a missional community to you to talk for you to talk about in your group. So we're going to go a little bit further with some questions to reflect on. So I have four questions for you to reflect on. Uh, the first is this. Uh, have you ever felt that God was asking you to do something that left you feeling afraid? And if so, what did you do? Either reflect on that yourself privately and prayerfully or share it with other people. Maybe it was something simple like just kind of sharing your faith with someone. Maybe it was a bigger thing like taking on responsibility but whatever it is that God asked you to do and you felt afraid, just share that story and ha what happened with that? Did you obey? What stopped you obeying? Just reflect on it and, to, and share it. Just tell the story. The second question is this. Uh, what are the things that stop you from serving God? For, for Gideon, he was saying, you know, I am the least significant person in the whole nation of Israel. 
is kind of putting that up. And in that, he was saying a number of things, I think. He was saying, uh, I'm not worthy. He was saying, none of my uh, uh, people around me, none of the people of the nation will ever follow me. And perhaps also saying, I don't trust you, God, to use me. There's a number of things there for him. What are the things that stop you? What are the barriers that you keep putting up to obedience to God? We all have them. We all have little things that we keep saying, well, if I had time or if I was better qualified or if I get out of this current situation that I'm in, we all have excuses. What are the things that stop you? Third question is this. In this passage, and if you want to read the the following chapters, uh, Gideon has doubts and questions. How does God reassure him? in this passage just look through the story just pick up on those things that you think God is is saying to him that would reassure and encourage Gideon to step out in obedience and the fourth thing is this uh, what is the difference between how God saw a Gideon and how Gideon sees himself what's the difference there and how does that apply to you just think that through a little bit. So there's four questions for you to reflect on. And in the midst of discussing those four questions, why not think about what's this teaching me about being faithful and fruitful to God when I'm afraid? Just pick up on that a little bit and share that in the midst of all your discussion. So thank you for joining us today uh, and join us next week as we think a little bit more about being faithful and fruitful. So take care and keep safe.